three, two, one. From down in the dirty bird. Oh my goodness gracious. The only mustard buzzard podcast on the planet. This is Buzzardry. Here are your hosts, Ben Milam and Patrick McGee. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Buzzardry. It is game week in Hattiesburg. It's been a long time coming. Always feels like a long time. We have been through the dog days of summer, but they are over. It is football time in Hattiesburg. My name is Ben Meinl. I'm here with my partner, as always, Patrick McGee. Pat, how you doing? Glad to be here on this game week in Hattiesburg. That is right. Ready for some football want to apologize again for some audio issues last week and I guess the last three episodes, but we hopefully have those worked out. Hopefully it sounds a little better to you on your end, wherever you are listening. This episode of Buzzardry is sponsored by BigGoldNation.com. It is the premier inside source for all things Southern Miss Athletics. Going to be putting out some great stuff, game week, game preview and game review on the other end of this Saturday. So be sure to check it out. Appreciate those guys supporting the show. We are, as promised, going to run through Liberty in a little more detail as we will for the opponent every week. We are also going to quickly run through how we think the depth chart is going to look. We'll take your questions. Pat tweeted out a prompt earlier today, and then we will look Around the Sun Belt, around the Sun Belt for the very first time. See what's going on for our conference mates, our new conference mates. Pat, let's jump right into it. What is, uh, I don't know, what's the vibe, what's the energy for you headed into this opener on Saturday? Yeah, well, it was just kind of curiosity and just kind of getting, uh, mm-hmm. I, I thought we were going to see a depth chart uh, inter- or uh, released uh, from USM today. Uh, they decided to bump that back to Wednesday because yeah. they have competition Tuesday, mm-hmm. so they want to give guys one less chance to kind of break in, uh, possibly move up mm-hmm. uh, on uh, Tuesday. This would be, uh, I guess, today if you're listening on Tuesday. Um, so, yeah, that was kind of vibe I got, but, you know, I kind of just the, uh, the line of state steady there at three and a half. Mm-hmm. And uh, just kind of digging into Liberty a little bit, uh, they brought in a fair amount of transfers. Kind of uh, interested as they seem – I guess something that kind of jumped out to me, they seem kind of uh, young or at least inexperienced um, with wide receiver position. At least are two or three guys they have um, mm-hmm. listed as stars wide receiver. One of them, or I guess you can maybe uh, scroll down on that. But, um, yeah, I mean, one of them only caught one pass last year. Yeah. And uh, the other caught 16. So there is some, I guess, inexperience at receiver form. That was just something that kind of stood out to me. But, you know, they brought in. You know, transfers both from JUCO and uh, from FBS, and just kind of looking at their line, they really kind of retooled their offensive line. They brought in uh, so a transfer from Kentucky, uh, all Mountain West guy from uh, center uh, or at center Cam Reddy. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have a couple other guys that have played there a while. Cooper McCall, um, his third three-year starter. So just kind of um, Brandon Schlitter uh, there at right guard. So um, yeah, just kind of seeing. It looks like. Uh, just kind of the the weakness that kind of jumps off the page to me, just first looking at him, is that uh, the receiver room, not a whole lot of just production historically or just in their careers. Uh, but it seems like they're always on pretty strong. They have a nice um, kind of mix of guys that have returning uh, 
that have been good in the past for him, and then some guys uh, from the portal that have been um, or have some experience and have been good. You know, talking about that Colorado State transfer that was all Mountain West. So, mm-hmm. yeah, you see, I mean, like you mentioned, there's a lot that comes back, sort of some foundational pieces, but a lot of new faces on there, and a lot of them, again, like you touched on out of the portal that do have experience, but it is, I like the way you put it, curiosity. I'm sure, I'm sure there's curiosity for everyone involved on both sides, including the two coaching staffs, because there's, there really is so much unknown on both sides, both sides. I think you could say have question marks at quarterback. If you want to say it like that, Charlie Brewer obviously has been, I think you could call him a proven commodity. He's been successful at at high level programs, mm-hmm. and Ty Keys obviously has the pedigree. Uh, we know how talented, highly recruited guy. Didn't really get a shot of any length last year, um, and you know, still I think you could still qualify him as a a freshman quarterback, kind of a rookie, even though he did see some time last year. Obviously, still listed as a freshman, redshirt freshman. So there's a lot up in the air. And that line of three and a half, I think I said last week I thought that would be a little longer. I think that's an indication of of how many unknowns there are on both sides. Yeah, and it's interesting uh, hearing both. Well, maybe we get into Freeze's uh, press conference later and see what he had to say. But just kind of interesting. Both coaches have kind of said that their, their, te- their team is the underdog. Just kind of listen right, up. Right. Paul's talked about, like, yeah, this would be a big upset. We got our fans here. And then, you know, you get into Freeze's uh, press conference. He could kind of talk about, like, he thought Liberty was going to be kind of a, a slight underdog, mm-hmm. just kind of based on, you know, the transfers that USM brought in. So just kind of, I don't know if both coaches are trying to downplay their odds and uh, that kind of thing. Or if, um, so yeah, I, yeah. But yeah, I think with the quarterback position, I think Brewer is a guy you kind of look at his numbers over time. Uh, he's kind of declined. Uh, you know, he's replaced, I guess, a quarter of the way through the year mm-hmm. uh, after that loss to um, San Diego State. And then, I guess, in 2020 at Baylor, he had led him into a Sugar Bowl appearance in 2019 and then kind of declined a little bit in 2020. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess that would have been um, that would have been Dave Aranda's first year there when um, they weren't really good, still kind of rebuilding after a rule had left. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see kind of what Brewer does. Um, is, is he going to kind of de- – continue his decline into 2022 or is he gonna have a bounce back in, a, in his sixth year and yeah I mean you just kind of look at what he has done in the past with um transfer quarterbacks when I mean, you just go back to Ole Miss you have Bo I mean these, these were junior college um, yeah Bo Wallace right. and um Chad Kelly and then you go back um obviously Malik Willis uh transferred from Auburn um at Liberty so he has a long history of developing transfer quarterbacks so that mm-hmm. just I guess maybe Inclusion may be what uh, Brewer can do. Sure. Obviously, you hope he didn't have the you know success those previous guys did, though. So, well, I imagine the big part of the game plan uh, for Coach Armstrong, as it as it always is, but maybe more so in this game with um, with Charlie Brewer's inexperience. I guess you could say at least in the system, uh, first year of the system with Coach Freeze is pressure, and that's we did not. We saw some level of pressure in the backfield, but not any real consistent game-changing pressure, at least in the majority of the 12 games last year. So i got to imagine that's a big part of it. Defensive line has been rightfully highlighted in fall camp, and there's a lot of, a lot of talent on that. I think 
you know, I was looking back at it. it this might be the most talented on paper this defensive line has been in a decade. I, I don't think that is that is a huge overstatement if it is at all. And so that's that is going to be that's what it's going to come down to. And and a lot of openers and really the first three games, a lot of times it does come down to the defense. Um, can you tackle with consistency? Because you you know. Uh, understandably, are careful with your guys. You want to avoid injuries in fall camp. And Coach Hall is very vocal about uh, practicing tackling and said there's, there's nobody that practices it more. But very different from fall camp and early season preparation to being in the game. And so that's, that's the key to me, really, is the defense. Can you slow Charlie Brewer down? Can you harass him in the backfield, rush some throws? And as it often is in, in just about any game, but I think especially in openers like this with two sides with a lot of question marks, I think it's going to come down to the turnover battle. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I feel like that's the kind of thing where kind of turnover battle determines most every game. But, yeah, I think you kind of look, uh, look at the two um, battles that I'm really looking for is that, yeah, I mean, like you are saying, USM defensive line versus the Liberty O-line. Just, yep. I, think, I, think those are, I think that's strength on strength. I think Liberty has a strong offensive line. I think uh-huh. USM has a strong defensive line. And then – uh, kind of the Liberty, or I guess you're kind of staying on offense there, but or on the Liberty offense, but, you know, Liberty receivers against the USM corners. And then also, I guess, you know, Liberty also brought in a bunch of guys. If you're talking about the other side of the ball, Liberty brought in some guys on the portal yeah. there, um, the front seven, seeing how, I mean, that's kind of one of the big questions is pass protection, offensive sure. line, USM offensive line against that Liberty front seven. So those are kind of the yeah. things I'm looking forward on. Uh, uh, Saturday evening. Yeah, pass pro is is a, a question and was an issue for both sides last year. It was 54 yeah. total sacks for Liberty a year ago. It had some injuries and some inconsistencies, and obviously Sam Gregg now at Southern Miss. And so be interesting to see that dynamic as well. How how well does the Southern Miss uh, – how well are they able to prepare because they have Sam Gregg? I mean, you call back to that. Jay Hobson opener with Shannon Dawson. He he knew the Kentucky system really well and feel like that was an advantage in that game, particularly in that second half. And so there's there are a lot of really intriguing things about this. Um, I think, if I'm not mistaken, we both had this as a loss in I our predictions so. last so. week. So, yeah, that, that line of, of three and a half is really interesting to me. Um, I... I would not be shocked if it came down to the wire. Yeah. Um, if you can, I think if you can run the ball with any consistency and give Tyke some some semblance of time in the pocket, just any sort of ability to move the ball in the passing game to open up the run game, I think you're going to be in pretty good shape. Yeah, I mean it's kind of like you're saying the turnover battle, and then you, like Brewer, he he had thrown um, his or he is his, like we're saying he kind of regresses his uh-huh. TD. Uh, the INT ratio had gotten worse over the uh, last couple of years. But then you kind of look at Keys, and with his inexperience, you kind of feel like he could uh, be prone to turn over the ball. So, yeah, that'll be interesting to see just those two quarterbacks. Can they hang on? Or the two, the two quarterbacks, you know, can they avoid the costly mistakes? Yes. And, um, yeah, it'll be kind of just the, the um, I guess, kind of opposite just because you have the six-year guy and the second-year guy. Right. Um, so, usually in that kind of situation, you um, you say, well, the six-year guy probably wouldn't make as many mistakes. But – uh, I think um, I think Keys um, may obviously not as accomplished as Brewer, but I feel like he you know just over. I think I think Keys has a higher ceiling probably, mm-hmm. um, and we'll see if that you know translates um, to anything in this game. So, I think one of the primary things I'm looking for as well, just just as I think about 
particularly that quarterback matchup is, you know, we saw when Ty Keyes was sort of thrown into the oven last year prematurely, the offense was fairly vanilla at times. And there was just a lack of things you could do with a young quarterback in there who had been in the system for three or four months. So how much are you, are you able to really open up the playbook is, is something I'm, I'm looking for uh, for Ty Keys. And, you know, we have, we have talked about this. That's one of the things that we've been watching for in fall camp, his ability to sit in the pocket, go through his progressions, have confidence in his line, and be able to make quick and correct decisions. Um, with the complexities of, you know, the, the other ends of the playbook that we didn't really see him run last year. Really interesting to watch, uh, particularly for Ty, because I think early in a game like this, and I, I think we saw this in some of Ty's action last year as well, if he can find a way to settle and get his feet under him in the first quarter and early in the second quarter, then I think you feel pretty good. But I imagine Liberty has sort of that mindset as well. If they're gonna they're going to pin their ear back ears back, they're gonna get after him early in the game. And I think that's when you start to worry a little bit about Tykes, maybe if if he's under a lot of duress early in that game, then that's when your game plan is is gonna really shift if if they can knock his confidence off. Yeah, and I think the big part of just the playbook is that pass protection. Can the offensive oh, line yeah. hold, yes. can the offensive line hold up enough to you know let plays develop sure. and you know you know you can't you can't throw a deep pass if you don't have enough time to throw uh-huh. the football. That's right. Uh, but yeah, I, I guess kind of just seeing how Hall calls the game. You know, early in the game, is he going to give our key some layups to kind of get his confidence up, and then mm-hmm. is the game kind of you know kind of take the reins off maybe? So um, yeah, that'll. That'll be the thing I'm watching, just how Hall approaches the game situationally, how he calls the game. Mm-hmm. and um, How much super back do we see? Yeah, that was one of the questions we got in our, uh, our Q&A. Who's going to okay, be yeah. the first uh, uh, person to uh, to complete a pass that's not keys? So uh, maybe uh, we'll yeah. see some of that. But, yeah, just kind of seeing how they approach the game and how aggressive they are with keys. And, I, I mean, I think that'll kind of tell you a lot about how, what they think of him at this point. Sure. And if, yeah, I mean, if you're – seeing them throwing it all over the place. You say, hey, you know, they got a lot of confidence in them. But, you know, if they're kind of conservative at first, giving them some layups or just a bunch of layups for the most part, um, then I say, well, maybe they don't trust them enough at this point. So, yeah, just kind of seeing how uh, how they call or how Hall calls the game yeah. I think is going to be pretty telling. I would imagine it would be relatively conservative um, for Tykees early in the game just, just due to the fact that he's still young and – Hasn't really seen. I mean, now he is now the guy. I think it was a little different last year in that he was he was behind Trey Lowe, and after Lowe went out with the injury, he didn't necessarily have the pressure of a starting quarterback on him. It was kind of like, okay, kid, let's let's see what you can do. But now it is you are the guy. You have been the guy since the beginning of fall camp, since the spring, really. And even with that, I. I with that, I think they will be a little conservative and try to get him some some easy connections in the early going. Uh, I imagine it would be fairly run heavy in the beginning to establish that that confidence. And I may be wrong; they might just totally put it into fifth gear and, and see what Ty can do. Um, I think that would probably put Liberty on their heels and have no idea what the game plan is. That's going to be really interesting to watch. Uh, again, how they handle tight keys in the in the early going. It's also 
good chance it's going to be raining, uh, or yeah, at least going to be not. a little wet. Yeah, hopefully yeah. not. Hopefully yeah. we can avoid some of that starting at 6 o'clock um, on Saturday. Pat, anything else on Liberty? I feel like... Uh, you, I get, yeah, just kind of quickly go over some of the highlights of Freeze's uh, press conference. Yeah. Just kind of see what yeah. he... Just kind of go over what he had to say. But he was just kind of saying... Uh, uh, let's see. Yeah, he was just... Um, he was just kind of talking about how U.S. admitted the season last year, dealing with those quarterback injuries. And, um, yeah, he was just kind of saying it was kind of scary to prepare for because, you know, you bring in 11 transfers now from the SEC. You don't know exactly uh, what you're going to get or who's playing. Then he was just kind of talking about uh, U.S. and program history, talking about uh, – he said Jeff Bowers. I don't know if that's a transcript error or if he actually said Jeff. Surely that's transcript error. <laughs> Oh, uh, yeah. That would be, I'm sure uh, he knows who Jeff Bauer is. Yeah, he said Jeff Bowers, but he just talked about uh, Will. Will Hall's a friend of his. Talks about his dad, who's a legend um, in the state. He was a friend of his. Bobby was a friend of his at, uh, when he was at Ole Miss. Because uh, I guess Bobby would have been at uh, Madison. Or I guess it might have been at Madison Central and Biloxi uh, during the uh, freeze there at Ole Miss. But, um, yeah, you just talk about – kind of goes on and on about the transfers. Talk about Austin Armstrong does a really nice job. Um Says uh, solid running back room led by Gore, and he talked about how Brownlee could play anywhere um, in the nation. And um, yeah, he says that yeah they got their hands full, and he, he kind of says yeah this one's a, at least a toss up, if not as being the underdog a bit with the number of SEC transfers they've had in the athletes in that program. That's a quote from Breeze. And uh, yeah, so it's just kind of interesting. Both coaches, like I was saying, are uh, think they're the underdog. So we'll see um, how that pans out Saturday. A lot of respect on both sides. A lot of question marks on both sides. He talks about Brownlee there, uh, a lot of respect for Jason Brownlee, for Liberty as a whole. And that's another thing to look for. Brownlee's been banged up in fall camp. And from what I've seen, he's been pretty full go. But that was, that was you know, the question for Brownlee last year. He was, um, you know, not 100% majority of the time, 80 85%, and was still effective when he was, uh, when he saw game action. But if Brownlee's at 100%, he's a difference maker. There's there's no way around that. And particularly in a game like this, when you you really have to establish the passing game early on, uh, be able to take away some of the attention from the run game. Pat, anything else we should uh, talk about on Liberty? We'll get into – we'll answer some of these questions yeah, on Liberty. But. I think that is it on Liberty. Okay, before we move on to questions, Pat, let's take a, a brief look at the depth chart – I guess, prediction at this point. Yeah, I guess I mean, if you go on uh, our lad, you can kind of see what they – I mean, I don't know if it's a computer or a person that's putting this in there. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, no real – I mean, I guess the one thing that um, – what the O-line would be, um, was it Gainer at left tackle, Doss at left guard, right? Or yeah. go, go, go over the offensive line. But, um, yeah, yeah, so they got this a little mixed up. Left tackle will be Tykeem Doss, Scott at left guard, Bryson Mays. They have Bryce Ramsey at center. Bolding at right guard, and then right tackle, they have Calvin McMillan. Yeah. Not going to be the case. That will be Paul Gaynor Jr. there on the offensive line. Everything else looks yeah, I was just, uh, fairly I mean, do you, ex- do you expect any surprise at QB2? I mean, do you think something crazy could happen? You say, oh, well, Wilkie's our QB2 and instead of low, but I guess, you know, you're still trying to keep him redshirted, so I don't think yeah, that Yeah, would- I would be – I think you would have to be sort of forced into a situation where you where you put Wilkie in there. Um, he's – I mean, Coach Hall has not come out and, and named a clear number two. He's He's been asked that question and – 
hasn't wanted to name a, a number two, but I, I think at this point, I would be pretty surprised to see anybody other than Trey Lowe come out there, just given his experience and familiarity with the system. And if for some reason Ty Keyes isn't in there, then you probably want somebody in there that's going to settle things down who has seen game action and, again, been in the system, and that is Trey Lowe. Yeah, and then RB2, I think that's probably going to be Dean, but um, they have uh, Richard there listed as um, RB2. I think that's going to be Dean, though, right? It would be Gore, RB1, and Dean, RB2. Yeah, that, that is, that's been one of the more interesting battles in, in camp and in the, in the uh, preseason practice has been Richard and Dean. Been, it's been pretty close. I would not be shocked to see Richard out there. I would not be shocked to see Dean out there. But I do I, I do kind of lean that direction, like what you're saying. I, I think Jannar uh, Dean will probably be the first out there, but I, I would be shocked if Dejan Richard and Jannar Dean didn't both get snaps in game one. Right, yeah. I mean, I think it'll be a, um, you know, obviously a committee, just like pretty much every backfield mm-hmm. is nowadays. But, yeah, th- those are just some of the questions I had on the depth chart. Uh, just kind of QB2, mm-hmm. the running back room, and the offensive line, how that was going to shake out. And then it's defensively that, um, yeah, I think that all uh, checks out, all mm-hmm. what they have on uh, on their site. So, yeah, people can go look at that. Um, just, yeah. just compare. Ourlads.com. Yeah. And then you can just you can just Google Our Lads Southern yeah. Miss, and it'll pull up the depth chart. That's, yeah, fairly accurate. I don't expect any real surprises. Like you said, it's, it's really the – the guys behind the starters that uh, are really question marks. And a big deal that uh, Coach Hall is talking about, I mean, you come out of fall camp and into the opener pretty much totally healthy outside of Hayes Maples, who you lost ahead of fall camp. And that's a really big deal. Uh, You don't really have any guys with nagging injuries that uh, you're aware of that are really going to set you back, uh, particularly in that Starting 11 on both sides, I think. Um, yeah. Anything else in the depth chart we should talk about? Uh, yeah, I think that is. So uh, that is coming out Wednesday. So um, yep. look for that probably 10 or 11 a.m., I would guess. Mm-hmm. All right, let's let's uh, let's look at some of your questions that I will pull up. Chill Hall says, this is on uh, Twitter, by the way. Will USM ever create good media content again? Over, under on how many times Will Hall says program during postgame Saturday night and how many licks does it take to get to the center of a Tootsie Pop? That is – that's a lot to answer, Pat. Uh, yeah, well, I guess the first one uh, – I guess that was the big thing in the fan base uh, this morning was the uh, the video uh, that was released, the quote-unquote hype video. And I actually was not able to hear the audio. I just saw uh, the video. I wasn't able to get the audio at work. But – um yeah, a lot of people are upset about that. They basically took the video, um, or yeah, the video down. I guess they're going to try to redo it again. But yeah, I think people are trying to get back to the uh, some of the older hype videos. People talk about the Rise series mm-hmm. and some of the other uh, uh, videos they've had in the past. And it's just kind of one of those things with, um, I mean, you kind of cycle out these um, kind of creative strategy and digital media people. Yeah. I mean, it feels like there's a new one every one or two years. So. Yeah, I mean, I guess they, you kind of got to get your feet underneath you a little bit. and um, Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, you kind of want to see more highlights. I mean, that's the thing that with, with the good hype video, I think most people, they just want like a couple highlights, the student section looking pumped, and, you know, some kind of new rap music or something like that. Oh, I think that's, man. I think that's what uh, everybody's kind of wanting. I'm, I'm ready for some football so people don't have to complain <laughs> about the hype video. I, I don't know if it was 
supposed to be like the hype right. video kind of game footage type thing. I think it, they were going a different direction with it. People obviously didn't like it, but there's some really, really talented people in the marketing department. I would expect them to put out a lot of great stuff this year. Pat, how many links does it take to get uh, to the center of a Tootsie Pop? Uh, I'm going to say 12. <laughs> One for each game. Wow. Oh, okay. I like that. Okay. Brick says, just how good do you believe Liberty is this year? Bowl team, I'm sure, but how many wins and what is Freeze probably going to try as his game plan? He's a great coach, by the way. He's going to be ready for us. I agree, Brick. Pat, what do you think? Yeah, I think Liberty probably, I was just, that was actually had some pretty, I uh, mean, a really kind of really tough schedule. I mean, they had Virginia Tech, Arkansas, BYU, yeah. uh, maybe a couple others. Those were just the three that jumped out to me. Uh, but I think Liberty, they're probably seven, eight-win team. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I think they're a bowl team. That's a good team. Uh, as, as it relates to Freeze's game plan, I don't know. I mean, you're probably, you just feel like Freeze, when he was at Ole Miss, he always had a trip play up his sleeve mm-hmm. or some kind of, uh, something like that. One of those people always say, well, he's, you know, people that don't like Freeze, they say, oh, he's a high school coach with a couple good tricks. Which I, I think he's probably a little better than that. I think, oh, yeah. you know, oh, yes. like his record is pretty impressive. But, yeah, I think, um, you know, Freeze has always used the RPOs and uh, they'll use tempo. Uh, so those are kind of some of the things that I, I would expect from a Liberty. But, yeah, it's a good team coming in, I think. Um, one of the better teams you'll see this year um, on the schedule. Oh, yeah. I, and I think people looked at the departure of Malik Willis and said, and and with a, a heavy amount of lost production area for Liberty, that this might be a quote-unquote rebuilding year. It's not going to be a re- rebuilding year. It might be a down year relative to where they've been over the past couple of years. But, yeah, like you said, Pat, this is going to be a really, really good football team. And, yeah, like Coach Hall said, I mean, I think there was maybe some hyperbole in there, but they – it would be – I mean, it literally would be an upset if the line stays where yeah. it is. Uh, but – I, th- I think you'd be pretty ecstatic if you if you got to win in game yeah. number one, especially even playing this at home, which I, th- I think you are really, really happy it is in Hattiesburg. You feel a lot less confident if you're playing up in Virginia. Nuggets Ghost says, is it possible for USM, South Alabama, and Troy to thrive simultaneously despite sharing such a similar geographic footprint? This is an age-old question, it feels like, Ben. Well, that's a really good question. I it actually is. had discussed this on uh, the Split Zone Duo podcast. I don't know how many of our listeners listen to that, but they were basically saying that there's some people in the college football industry, you know, they don't think that all three can be good just because it is yeah. a similar geographic footprint. And I think it's um, – I feel like USM is a little more independent than those schools based on just recruiting territory. I feel like South Al and Troy kind of share that. Mm-hmm. Um, lower Alabama, and or they kind of—I don't know if you say they're confined, but they're uh, recruit heavily more of that lower Alabama, sort of Pan Am, which obviously USM recruits heavily out of too. But I feel like USM mm-hmm. can dip a little bit um, into Louisiana in a way those schools can't. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know. I feel like probably two. I mean, I think all three could be bowl programs. I don't know if you consider yeah. that thriving. I don't. I mean, I don't think all three could be. You know eight or nine win teams. I mean, just because all three are in the same division, you're going to have to have some losses. <laughs> sure, sure. Um, along those three. But yeah, I, I feel like right now, and I think all three staffs are pretty good. I think uh, Hall and Summerall are probably better than Womack. Um, although, you know, Womack, you know, did some good things in Indiana. I just mm-hmm. like uh, Hall and um, Summerall's pedigree better than his at this point. Um, so, yeah, it's a good question. I, I don't think all three can be like, top of the Sunbelt West uh, type programs. But I think, 
you know, I think all three could probably be bowl programs at the same time. And I just sure. I felt like USM has a little um a little more independent from them just in terms of recruiting territory, just in terms of Louisiana and kind of central Mississippi, south Mississippi. Mm-hmm. Uh, the schools or obviously South could tap into South Mississippi being right there, but kind of like talking about Jackson area, I think it's easier for USM to recruit yeah. like a Jackson area or um, New Orleans and South and Troy could. Yeah, great answer. There is, there's obviously some shared footprint there. There's also a lot of really good football players uh, in the, in this region. So, uh, Pat, I tend to agree with you. Again, good breakdown. Cleverly small, winning cures everything, but what is one football-specific in-game improvement that should be a priority to elevate student and fan engagement at The Rock. He also adds, is it better, slash more food and drink options, Wi-Fi lounge plazas, sound video improvements, et cetera. Yeah, it seems like the future of uh, just um, kind of attending uh, athletic events just in general anywhere is lesser seating but more amenities. Um, so, I mean, I guess, I don't know, I kind of, but I, that kind of, Falls in uh, college football becoming a more corporate sport, and you have, you know, all these bells and whistles and yeah. what have you. And I'm not a big fan of that either. But I think, just in terms of concessions, I, I think I don't think they get out of that airmark. Uh, I mean, pe- um, people say, well, you know, you can bring in, you know, Wards can cater or uh, something like that. But I think, just based on the airmark um, contract, I think they have to. I mean, well, they have Chick Fil A in there, and that's a, a vendor uh, with airmark. Just I guess through like Eagle Dining or. Uh, something like that. So I, I don't know how much they can improve the concession items. Mm-hmm. I mean, it would be nice to have like awards or just kind of local eateries. Um, I'm trying to think like at um, uh, now I'm blanking. But like, yeah, if you go like to Lafayette for baseball, they have kind of some local um, yeah, local place. I'm trying to remember the uh, they have like a like a local hot dog stand maybe or something. So I don't know if you could do that. Yeah, just kind of the the eat or the the uh, dining options uh, as far as wi-fi i mean i guess yeah sometimes the wi-fi can get i guess a little bit uh clogged yeah. up or uh, congested just because the amount of people i mean but i think that's probably anywhere where there's like a large gathering it just uh clogs up the uh whatever the towers i, I don't know how that works but i guess <laughs> that's probably the reason then what was what was the other uh thing that he suggested Oh, sound and video. Well, they did just replace the uh, audio or the uh, the speaker a couple of years ago, so I feel like that's yeah. gotten better. I do think it, I do think that's gotten better. That's that's my number one thing. That's how I'd answer this. I mean, you talk to people who sit in different parts of the stadium. Some people say the yeah. audio is really good, and some people say it's too loud. Some people in different parts say they can't hear it quite well enough. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I know <laughs> it would be a, a massive expense, but a Sound system that is, you know, it's instead of coming from one big speaker uh, to where it's kind of surround sound, which is, again, very, very expensive. And, and not a lot of stadiums have that, uh, but to where you have the uniformity of sound quality. Again, it has it has gotten a lot better, a lot, a lot better. Um, and the other thing I would say is, is there are, you know, maybe some dead spaces in in the action just naturally in football, but but. You know, that's one thing that great atmospheres in college football do really well is is filling those gaps with either video board content or with the band, um, you know, promotions on the field, whatever it may be. Uh, feel like there's there's still a ways to go in terms of that um, for Saturday at the Rock. Uh, and, and, and to me, it's those things matter 
very little. Uh, like you said, Cloverleaf, I mean, you, you made the the kind of big point. Um, winning cures everything. I mean, winning fixes everything. And, I mean, you, you get to a point where you are, um, as a program like Southern Miss, when people complain about everything. And <laughs> if you if you – Start winning consistently. That's gonna get. That's uh, gonna get less and less common. I mean, that's always gonna be. That's always gonna be a case from the fan base that cares about a football program. But yeah, hopefully we get to a point where the sound and video um, in the stadium, the food and drink options are one of the only things we have to complain about. All right, let's see. First year in the Sun Belt pluses and minuses from T Bones Records oh. and Cafe. Well, I think, you know, plus, I mean, it's just kind of the things we've talked about, just kind of the regional aspect. You're not in CUSA anymore. Yeah. Um, improved competition. I mean, just kind of everything we've kind of talked about over the last year or so. And then oh, I, yeah. I guess the one minus, I thought I thought of this, and I thought of this kind of last week, just maybe you're you're not as familiar with as the personnel, with the personnel of these teams you're playing as sure. you would have been yep. in CUSA, with the exception of South who you played. So, I mean, I don't know if that's even a huge thing. You can just watch film, but you don't have as much, mm-hmm. I guess, in-game uh, evaluation of oh, yeah. uh, of these teams yeah, uh, that uh, you had in CUSA. So that would be, the I guess, the big yeah. minus, I would say. I could say. You could say they're not familiar with you either. True. True. So, yeah, not really not a lot of minuses uh, when I look at it. I think just the natural interest will increase. And, again, if you couple that with winning, uh, things are things are going to pick up. A lot of these small issues are going to fix themselves. Good question, T-Bones. Thank you. Kind of a superstar appearance there for yeah. T-Bones. RD Golden Eagles, uh, four or five questions in there. We're going to take one of them. It says, uh, discuss the impact of the transfer portal at Southern Miss. I'm guessing big picture here, Brent. Yeah, and then he goes on to say, well, why are we are or are not a destination? And uh, I think, you know, there's going to be, if you're a USM, I mean, I think there's probably some programs like in Alabama, they're not going to really lose any uh, productive players to the portal. They're just going to gain, and there's not going to be much loss. I think USM can gain. I think USM is going to lose. I think even Hall said it at some about media days. There's going to come a time when the portal is going to hurt USM at some point. Oh, yeah. You're going to lose a productive player. Right. Uh, that's going to hurt you. And, um, but, yeah, I think um, – I guess just talking about the ways it, you can gain or why you would be um, an attractive option is just – I mean, you just kind of think about um, if you're like a high three-star, maybe a low four-star from – you know, South or Central Mississippi, you go to an SEC school after one one or two years, you're not playing when you transfer to USM. That would be, mm-hmm. um, you know, kind of an example of it helping you and right. um, why you would be um, a destination. I guess if you're saying why you would not be um, a destination for players in the portal, um, I mean, I don't know, maybe just NIL, but I feel like even NIL, I mean, USM, there's been, you know, reports that USM has one of the better, uh, you know, NIL collectives I guess in their group of five and even maybe even better than a couple power five schools I believe it was said um but yeah I guess it was just if it's a situation where you just outbid by a bigger money school I guess yeah. that would be a reason why you're not um but yeah I mean just sure. USM is with the current rules instead are in place I mean there's going to be examples and instances where yeah. you, you benefit from the portal which sure. you mostly have a football at this point mm-hmm uh, but, you know, eventually you're going to have some really good players that are going to leave you, yep. and uh, that will obviously you know, hurt the program. So it will be mm-hmm. a, it'll give and take in that um, department. Yep, give and take is a good way to put it. And, I mean, you look at just the, the a Southern Miss offer in general, be it a, a portal offer or uh, just a, an offer out of high school or JUCO, just a traditional offer. I mean, it's 
I think it it has improved. The perception of Southern Miss football has improved uh, since Will Hall has been here. But you look over, I mean, you, you stretch it out to a decade, you've not had any real consistent success over the last decade, and. And so with, I mean, it goes back to what Cloverly said, and, and it, it always goes back to this. When you win consistently, that offer is going to improve. Perception is going to improve with players in the portal and those you're offering just out of high school or JUCO. Um, but then, like you said, you're, you're going to lose some guys if you have those consistent, um, consistent winning seasons. And so push and pull, I mean, it's, it's – I don't know if you could say it balances out, but probably – if you, you know, in 20 years we look back at it, there probably will be some sort of balance there. Good question. Andrew says, what's most likely to happen on Saturday? I like this question. Gore Jr., 100 yards rushing. Brownlee, 100 yards receiving. Cam Harrell, 100 yards returning. And he says under it, a <laughs> little clarification and context here. Before you roll your eyes and say Gore, each player had exactly two games last year of 100-plus yards in their position category. Wow. Harrell, 100-plus versus UTSA and Rice. Gore, 100-plus rushing versus UTSA and Grambling. Brownlee, 100-plus against Middle Tennessee and Rice. Good uh, question, Andrew. Yeah, I'm going to say Gore. I feel like if, if USM wins, I think Gore will end up having um, – 100 plus yards just because yeah. you know you're trying to grind clock. Um, and you know, if you sit, listen to the or read the computers, you got about a 40% chance to win. So, I'm saying that if USM wins, which you apparently have about a 40% chance to win, Gore have 100 plus yards. So, I'll take my odds with 40%, mm-hmm. and uh, I'll say Gore, um, gets to uh, or most likely to get to 100. He also asked who with the first player not named Keys completed pass. I'm gonna say that is Gore. Uh, as well, oh, and a super back. Okay. So. I'll say Antavius Willis on that. Uh, he's he's going to be the first to take a snap at super back, as what Coach Hall said. And oh, okay. They're going to do a lot of a lot of things with Antavius Willis. He was obviously really dynamic the super super back spot. Listed as a running back on the roster, but you know he'll line up in the slot and kind of move all all over the place. He'll be similar to what they'll try to do with Chandler Pittman, guys like that, and uh, Demarcus Jones. Uh, on the first question, I will, uh, yeah, just to be different, I'll say Harrell. Uh, Almost went to that. 100-plus 100 returning yards. I think he breaks a big one uh, at some point in the game. It'd be nice to see a kickoff return for a touchdown on the opening kickoff. That'd be fun. Yeah. Cam Harrell is a guy that can do it. Uh believe Tyler Knight is probably going to be the guy lining up next to Harrell. Uh, Knight, that's where Knight has been lining up. Number of guy, number of different guys will probably get a shot at the return game. Colin says, can you all dive into the battle in the trenches a little more in this matchup? I uh, feel like we kind of did that. Yeah, I just think that's kind of strength on strength. And, uh, yeah. yeah, a lot of uh, production and, um, but, but, I mean, returning production and, um, you know, added production. Incoming from, talent. Yeah, yeah. Um, from the portal. So, yeah. I think that is going to really be um, interesting to watch the mm-hmm. uh, Liberty offensive line versus the USM defensive line. Yeah, and as it often is, that is – Probably, I mean, we, you know, obviously the quarterback matchup is going to be big, the way that Tykes is able to produce, but it, I think it's really going to come down to who can control a line of scrimmage. If, if you're getting knocked on your heels every play, uh, both offensively and defensively, you're probably not going to have much of a chance uh, for either side. So, good question, Colin. Jonathan Brent says, Are we going to host? Jonathan, we will answer that in uh, January, February ish. 
Yes, you assume will host Liberty on uh, on Saturday. Yeah, so there's your answer. <laughs> Nate says, what kind of crowd are you expecting Saturday? Again, uh, some potential weather. It's supposed to be kind of rainy all weekend. I would uh, I'd expect the, a pretty good crowd. I think, you know, n- not just outstanding. You're not going to sell it out, but, you know, 20, 25K, I think. Yeah, I feel like uh, 20 to 25K in terms of actual. I would, I would say maybe 20 to... 2022k actual, yeah. and then they'll announce it at 26. I feel like uh, uh, I guess Ole Miss and State are both at home that night. I think at the, right, at the same time, so that always hurts attendance a little bit. Yeah, Alabama's at home. Um, you know, people are gonna say, "Well, they want to stay home and watch Ohio State and Notre Dame." You always got that people. That's my entire sure. my entire life. I've always tried to get the people that are outside uh, watching, you know, whatever game on TV to get them in the stadium, and that's <laughs> always been one of the. Uh, Things that people talk about it. Yeah. People outside watching the games at their RV uh, tailgating. So, yeah, those, so those people, they'll be watching Ohio State Notre Dame. But, um, yeah, it'll be a solid crowd, I think, yeah. assuming uh, the weather holds up. I mean, yes. if that felt like it felt like rain, even a chance of rain typically really hurts you with some attendance. Huh. So people say, oh, you know, yep. there's a 40% chance of rain. We're going to stay home. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I'll say they announced 26, but actual 20 to 22. Okay. Well, we'll come back and check that. Heidegger Plain Sight, I uh, believe this is the last question. I'll go up and check. Knight Jeremy says, surprise player of the year, offense and defense. I believe this is the last question. Pat, surprise, we'll go offense first. Surprise player of the year on the offensive side. I'm going to say Janari Dean. Um, I just, I don't know, I'm kind of a... Uh, He's looked really good in fall camp. Or did yeah, I mean, really I just kind of look at his, I mean, looking at high school sense, but man, he put up some huge numbers yeah. at uh, South Palo. So I'm just thinking position change is going to kind of reinvigorate him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's going to be a really uh, productive running back. Um, and then defensively, I think Jalen Williams, transfer market. So I don't know if he would be a surprise. He's a newcomer, so people don't really aren't familiar with him. But just kind of watching him at the uh, at the spring game, he looked pretty good. He looked pretty impressive there. So I think he's going to be a force on the front seven. Mm-hmm. And uh, he'll be a surprise player there on defense, a newcomer. Yeah, two good answers. I will say on the offensive side, I'm going to say Zay Franks. Okay. Who yeah. is, uh, don't think he took a snap last year, but has um, it's been really strong in second string in fall camp and in early uh, season practice ahead of the Liberty game. Uh, imagine he's going to come. I mean, you have Latrell Jones there too, but um, I mean, he can slide in that X spot and do a lot of really different things, but you can move him out wide opposite of the X spot. And um, feel like he's really taking a big step physically and think he can do some really good things. Uh, I think particularly, I mean, if, if you have any sort of injuries, if he's, he's going to be one of the first guys that, that steps in and I expect him to be productive. Defensively, I'll say Kristen Booth, not a new guy, was there last year and saw some time on the defensive line. But it's really impressed me. Uh, he, he's one of the one of the you know if you ask me who is who has made the biggest difference physically, I think Kristen Booth would probably be uh, at the top of that list. I mean, you a lot has been made again of of the physicality and the athleticism of the defensive line. Just I mean, they look great coming off the bus. And Kristen Booth, I mean, he looks more uh, than in the right place, standing next to all those transfers. So I expect a big year out of Kristen Booth and Zay Franks. Any other questions? Let's double check. All right, I believe that is it for our Q&A. Pat, let's take a look around what's happening in the Sun Belt week one. 
Yeah, so it's really, or I guess, a nice mix of uh, kind of buy games, on, or I guess te- some teams buying games, um, FCS teams, uh-huh. uh, but then being bought, and then I guess uh, a couple of interesting uh, G5, G5 games. Uh, but yeah, Friday uh, starts it off. Uh, all these times are Eastern, or sorry, Central. I'm not going to give Eastern time in, uh, on this podcast. <laughs> That's right. Uh, God's time zone. Yeah, I was going to say Central Time Zone. God's Time Zone. <laughs> so, 6 o'clock ESPNU um, on Friday. Virginia Tech goes to ODU. And I think everybody remembers um, ODU upsetting Virginia Tech back in 2019. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, yeah, so Virginia Tech, this is, I guess, year two of uh, uh, Brent Key. Or, uh, the, uh, just, I was just listening to some on Split Zone, too, about the, the coach of Virginia Tech. I can't remember his name. is Brent Pry, I guess, is his name. Or... For some reason, I want to say his name was Brent. I think it's Brent Pry. I think um, they go to Virginia Tech. Anyways, I think, but yeah. So Virginia Tech, they're still rebuilding. But Old Dominion, I guess they went six and seven last year. They lost in the uh, I think it was a Myrtle Beach Bowl to Tulsa pretty badly. Uh, so this is a game, Old Dominion. You know, they're clear underdogs, but um, you know, it's a game they can be competitive in. So that'll be kind of something to watch there on Friday. The opening of the Sun Belt season should be a tremendous atmosphere there, in Norfolk. Yeah. Uh, and then another another ACC team going to a Sun Belt team, North Carolina going to App State. That'll be a, just a, another kind of raucous atmosphere uh, there in Boone. That is at 11 o'clock on ESPNU. And uh, North Carolina struggled a little bit with Florida A&M um, on week zero. Um, so, yeah, I think App State, I mean, they're kind of the team that I think people expect to probably win this league. So, I mean, you're seeing the kind of the Sun Belt front runner against mm-hmm. – I would say kind of a middle of the pack, maybe upper middle class ACC team. So that that's a really intriguing matchup. And I think if App uh, wins that, they've kind of really yeah. um, established themselves as being worthy of that uh, kind of Sun Belt favorite um, title they've been given. Uh, Norfolk, Norfolk State goes to Marshall. Uh, that's a, a MEAC team on FCS. I think Marshall should win that easily. Um, Troy goes to Ole Miss. Um, Troy announced um, Gunnar Watson. We we had talked about that. He is going to uh, he's QB one listed as QB one. Jarrett Doge listed as uh, QB two. But Troy's been like twenty point dog or twenty twenty one point dog there um, in Oxford. So it'd be interesting to see if how long they can keep that competitive. Uh, Nichols at South Al. I think this could be. Uh, there's two. I mean, this is the big one. I'm kind of looking at in terms of FCS teams possibly upsetting. Mm. Uh, Sunbelt team, but uh, Nichols actually almost beat, um, almost beat ULL last year, um, and I think Nichols has been a much better over the last five or six years. They've really established themselves one of the better programs in the Southland. I think this could be close. I'm going to say Southland wins, uh, but I could see this. Um, you kind of look up in the fourth quarter and this close game because I also remember South Alabama lost Alcorn last year and mm-hmm. Nichols is a good bit better than Alcorn. Yep. Uh, so that's an FCS upset watch uh, on South Alabama. Uh, Texas State goes to Nevada. Nevada beat um, uh, New Mexico State in week zero. And uh, I guess that's kind of an interesting game where Texas State, if they go there, I think Nevada's probably kind of a middle-of-the-pack Mountain West team. If they go there and win that, I think that could potentially prove that they uh, can get to that six-win mark, finally get to a bowl game. Uh, Middle Tennessee goes to JMU. JMU is um, favored in that game. This is their first game in FBS. It's uh, in Harrisonburg. So this would kind of just – you're going to be, I mean, tell kind of right away um, what James Madison is yep. going to be like in FBS. Just because I felt like there's a pretty winnable game playing MTSU at home. Yep. And if you win, if you lose that, it would kind of uh, kind of signal it's going to be a long year. Uh, if you win, I think James, JMU at least proved that they can be competitive 
um, in FBS for this year one uh, there with uh, Kurt Signetti. And then uh, Morgan State goes to Georgia Southern. That's the uh, start of the Clay Hilton era. Morgan State out of the MEAC, uh, FCS, and Georgia Southern won that easily. Uh, Grambling goes to Arkansas State. Should be an easy win for Arkansas State. And then I guess the other game I was going to talk about with FCS, upset possibly, Southeastern goes to ULL. You know, Southeastern has, I believe, uh, Bill Connolly had him as the number one offense in the preseason FCS S&P Plus. Um, so this could be, I think this is another game just like Nichols and South Al where you kind of look up and this a game in the fourth quarter. Southeastern really gave La Tech. Or, I mean, I know La Tech wasn't good last year, but they, you know, they proved they can hang with that FBS opponent. And we talked about Louisiana uh, struggled with Nichols last year. And I think, you know, Louisiana – I mean, ULL is not going to be nearly as good as they were um, last year. And I think Southeastern is probably better than Nichols was uh, last year. So, I think that could be a, a game to watch out for there on Saturday night in Lafayette. Uh, Army at Coastal. Um, I guess, yeah, this is the last game because the other game is uh, – the last game on here is USM and Liberty. Um, so, yeah, Army at Coastal. And this is kind of a um, – kind of another measuring stick type game. You're looking at Army's been – are pretty good under Jeff Monk. I mean, pretty good or really good. I think they've got a double-digit wins all the times under him. So, yeah, just if Coastal wins that, because um, we talked about they had lost a majority of the production, but they do bring back the coaching staff. They do bring back the quarterback. Um, so, yeah, if they beat a good Army program, I think that'll show that they are kind of here to stay for this year. If they lose, you could see, well, yeah, maybe it's a little bit of a uh, kind of a down year uh, where they're just trying to scrape to get to a bowl. So that is a, that'll be a good game as well. Some intriguing matchups on there, and I'm sure this will change, but, you know, over the last couple of years, I found myself sort of rooting against every Conference USA team <laughs> in the non-conference and uh, sort of pulling for all of our Sunbelt yeah. brethren. And, again, that will probably change once they start beating us, we start beating them and start uh, generating some real disdain for some of these schools. But, yeah, it's fun to, fun to have some other schools to talk about. Again, some really good matchups on there, I feel like, Sunbelt typically schedules pretty well in the non-conference, and uh, it's true in week one. So Friday, yeah, Friday, September 2nd, first Sunbelt matchup of the weekend, ODU hosting Virginia Make sure Tech. that, wait, there's not a game after USM and uh, Liberty Run? Okay, just make sure. So that will be a fun one. It'll be a fun, full weekend of football Season opener, 6 o'clock in Hattiesburg. Hopefully the rain holds off. Hope to have you there regardless. Just wear your rain jacket. Come out and watch the Golden Eagles get win number one. Pat, anything else before we close it out? Uh, just to get a baseball mention in here, Baseball America uh, said Tanner Hall had the best changeup on the uh, collegiate national team. So yeah. there you go. There's your nothing, one. Yeah, nothing we didn't know. but uh. <laughs> Right, yeah. <laughs> Now other people know. There's your one uh, baseball tidbit. We'll try to get one in every every episode. Not, not really. That'll wrap it up this week for game number one opening week in college football and in Hattiesburg. Hope to see you out there. If you see me and Pat wandering around in the rain, come tell us hello. Hope to see you out there. This has been another episode of Buzzardry. Great to have you with us. That is Patrick McGee. My name is Ben Milam. Hope to have you with us next week. This has been Buzzard Dream. Thanks for listening. And be sure to share and leave a review. 
You can find us on Twitter and Facebook at Buzzard Pod for all you need to know about the show. See you next time.